Be not, I say, keep the king's command because of God's oath to him. Be not hasty to go from his presence. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does what he, whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although man's trouble lies heavy on him. For he does not know what is to be. For who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that is done under the sun when man had the power over man to his hurt. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place and were praised in the city where they had done such things. This also is vanity, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily. The heart of the children of man is fully set to do evil. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. There is a vanity that takes place on earth that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity, and I commended joy, for man has nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful, for this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom and to see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do one's eyes see sleep. Then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he will not find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. Let's pray. Father God, you always work behind the scenes, and we are so grateful that you do. We thank you for including us in a plan that is so much greater than we are so much bigger, so much more awesome, so much like you. We were made, Lord, for just such a time as this. Thank you that we have your word to instruct us and lead us and show us what we need to know and what we cannot know. Thank you, Lord, for keeping things 
for us to find out. And it is the pre in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, that we ask your guidance and your wisdom as we hear your word. Amen. Uh, these folks from Texas. We have a, a group of people here this morning uh, from our sending church. So the church that sent us out uh, over eight years ago. Uh, we're thankful to have a group of them gathering with us this morning. And I told them last night, we've been walking through the book of Ecclesiastes, and uh, it's a unique book, and it's uh, confusing at times. And it takes wisdom that obviously we don't have, that's what the text says, uh, to really understand and discover the, the meaning of this. And so uh, I hope today, maybe you're jumping in midway through our journey through Ecclesiastes, uh, but I hope today that this text would really speak to you. And I, and I really believe that this morning, this text has the potential to really free us up. And and I, I hope in some ways that you are able to maybe release some of the anxieties, some of the fears that you have surrounding uh, the world, the state of the world in which we're in, and that you would be able to live in a state of peace and with joy, as the, the text says. And so that, that's my hope. Uh, the question that we're going to answer this morning is, what do you do when life doesn't make sense? What do you do when you don't know what to do? And, and, and what, what's the course of action for, for many of us? I, I thought about this past week, and uh, I, I know I was wrong to do so, but I, I flipped through the news, and the news alone is, is something that creates, uh, in some sense, a, a paralyzing uh, way about us. We watch the news, we see about warfare, we see about the state of our economy, we see about rising gas prices, and, and maybe you begin to think and process and go, you know, what does the future hold? And, and that can be paralyzing for many of us. I, I began to process the question this week, what does the future look like for my kids? And, and I want you to know, like, this was a legitimate, I spent several hours one morning this week just going, how can I prepare them? How, what is it that I can invest in them today that's going to impart wisdom that's going to help them down the road? When I think about the state of our economy, when I think about rising inflation, when I think about the, the uh, picture of just uh, div div division amongst so many different people, and, and what does that look like for to grow up and to raise Christ followers in the midst of that, and what is the persecution going to look like? And, and for me, there's a sense of going, I just want to protect them. And, and I just began honestly just thinking through and strategizing ways of going, okay, we got to buckle down, we got to spend more time, we got to, and, and it eventually just kind of put me in a place of going, I'm actually powerless at, at, at controlling a lot of these different things. And I don't know about you, and maybe you don't want to think deeply about the things and impending doom that is approaching us as a country, as a people, as Christians, um, and it's just better to avoid it. And, uh, and that's a way to deal with it too. Uh, but in many ways, I think it paralyzes us. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 talks about this paralyzing fear. In Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4 through 6, 
It says, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. And so this is a picture of a farmer. He's looking up at the rain. He's looking at the clouds. He's trying to figure out what's it going to do, and he's just kind of paralyzed, so he doesn't actually ever plant his crops. And guess what? If you don't ever plant your crops, you don't ever have a harvest. And so you're just kind of just standing there, and you're going, I don't know. Should I invest here? Should I plant my seed here? Should I do this? And, and we're just kind of stuck. And it says in verse 5, as you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman. It's like, how in the world does that happen? Like a baby is born in, in a womb of, and bones are fashioned. Like, it's, it's amazing. We don't know. So you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, here's what he says to do. Go sow your seed. We have work to do. Withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. And it's like, we don't know, but we have work to do. We don't know what the future holds. We can barely figure out what's going to happen in five minutes. But he says that we have work to do. we we got to plant our seed. We, we, we have to get busy. The, wor- the Lord is at work. The Lord is, is working. And so we can be paralyzed. So where do you go? In this paralyzing fear. Where do you go when you don't know what to do? Where do you go when life doesn't make sense? Some of us, let me give you some maybe responses. Some of us go on a political rampage. We want to blame it on the guy sitting in the office. And maybe rightfully so. We, we have reason to, to do so. And that's interesting because that's where our texts go. It talks about taking these issues before the king. In verse 6, it says, although man's troubles lie heavy on him, we need to be prompted in like how we approach the king. So maybe we go on a political rampage. Maybe we go on a treasure hunt for knowledge. You're just going, I'm, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to strategize my way out of this. I'm going to figure out when I don't know what to do, I'm just going to sit down with a piece of paper and my brain, and that really hasn't got many of us anywhere, all right? But that's what we do. Some of us, we just get forceful. I'm just going to attack. Whatever it is that, that's co- I'm just going to go. I'm going to attack things. Some of us complain. Some of us avoid. And this is the idea that, that in verse 16 and 17, that's really where the core problem is presented in this text. I want you to read with me on the screen. It says this, When I applied my heart to know wisdom, okay, he's seeking out wisdom. He's seeking out, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know what to do. What do I do? I'm seeking wisdom, and I see the business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night does one's eyes sleep. It's like, it just can consume you. Then I saw all the work of God that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he won't find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. Now, Initially, this may frustrate you because when we don't know what to do, it's saying you're not going to know what to do. You're not going to figure it out. You're not going to strategize your way out of it. There's not a political you know, activist that's going to bring about the real change that we need. So what do we do? And I will say that the, the outline given by King Solomon in this text is life-giving. So I want you to just process for a second. I want to slow down. I know I talk fast. Where are you coming in this morning? You got it figured out? You got the next year 
I'll strategize the next 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. How many of us are walking in this morning and we look at the bank account, we look at the economy in which we reside in, and it's just, what do I do? How do I get ahead? We're trying to figure out how do I game, how do I profit in the midst of this? What do I do? And that's what Solomon begins to address as we walk through this passage. It's interesting as we we come out of this kind of core problem in verse 16 and 17, this is where he kind of summarizes the idea, we don't know what to do, and then we jump back up to verse 2. And it talks about how we approach and our posture before the king. Now, I want you to see as we, we kind of get into this, we don't live in a monarchy. We don't live in, in the kind of environment where there is a single ruler, a single head. We, we live in a democracy. It's, it's a people. We have elected officials. They're public servants, right? And so in many ways, in a democracy, we have a voice. And so it's different because I, a lot of us have postured ourselves in the last few years. It's like, just obey authority. Just do what they say. And that's not the type of government that, that we live within. Yes, we are to obey authority, but you have a voice, and that voice is to be heard. And that voice is to be spoken. And that voice is to be used to bring about and, and elect people who will bring about the common good of a people. But here's what Solomon's going to lean in and give us wisdom towards. Don't put your hope in that. Don't put your hope in this political regime. Don't, don't become a political advocate, activist in a sense. We want our voice to be heard. We want to invest. We want to engage. But you need to understand the limitations that exist in that, that sense of oversight. And that's what he breaks down. Verse 2. I say keep the king's command. He's like, do what the king says. Because of God's oath to him, be not hasty to go from his presence. Stay near. Do not take your stand in an evil cause, for he does whatever he pleases. For the word of the king is supreme, and who may say to him, what are you doing? Whoever keeps a command will know of no evil thing, and the wise heart will know the proper time and the just way. For there is a time and a way for everything, although a man's trouble lies heavy on him. I'll stop there. When your troubles lie heavy on you, are you patient? I'm not. When, when man's trouble lies heavily upon our hearts, I, I get active. All right? I'm, I'm like, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to navigate my way out of this. I'm going to, to, to come up with a plan. I'm going to figure out a way to game the system that if it, you know, everything crashes in around me, I'm able to still stand. And it says, be patient. For there is a time and a way for everything. Although man's troubles lie heavy on him. Here's what it says, verse 7. For he does not know what is to be. We don't know the future. For who can tell him how it will be? No man has power to retain the spirit or power over the day of death. There is no discharge from war, nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to this. All this I observed while applying my heart to all that's done under the sun, when man had power over a man to his hurt. So this king has power. This king has has this sense of ownership, this sense of rule. And in this type of governance, 
Solomon is, is describing a particular posture that we are to have in regards to the king. And he doesn't tell us to, to go stomping at his door. He doesn't tell us to go demanding things. He tells us, hey, just slow down. Be patient. There's a time for everything. There's a time to respond. God's going to give us this, this wisdom. This is where wisdom comes from, how to respond in this time. In verse 8, it says four limitations that man has. Now, here's what I would tell you. This is not only four limitations that we have, but this is four limitations that the king has. The four limitations are this. No man has power to retain the spirit. And it's talking about you can't control the wind. It's windy. I don't know about you, but last night I could hear the wind blowing up against. We don't control the wind. We don't have power over it. We don't have power over the day of death. We, we, we talked about that a little bit last week. We, we want to game the system. We want to figure out a way to, to beat death, but we don't have power over that. There is no discharge from war. It's interesting in our coming times. We have no power over getting ourselves disengaged from, from war. We have no control over that. Nor will wickedness deliver those who are given to it. So he lists all these limitations. And here's what I, w- I want you to see is, is if, if Solomon was trying to cast wisdom, he's basically saying, we, we got to release we got to release that sense of power or that force that, that we believe in some ways that we have. Now, I, I get that for some of you, that's going to sit kind of, it's going to cause a little uneasiness. You're like, no, we need to revolt. We need to, we need to come against. We, we need to not be manipulated. We need to fight. And I get that. But my question is, is, How do you fight? I go back, I've been reading Genesis, Exodus. We've been walking through the story of the Israelites and I find it interesting is God, his powerful hand has been leading the Israelites. He's been leading them out. And as I was been reading that to my kids and we get to the story and I've just reflected on this so many times is they're approaching the Red Sea and they're stuck and they see the Egyptians running after them. He's like, do not be afraid. And I'm like, I would, I, ah, I'd be afraid, right? Like, what do you do? We got to figure this out. We got to strategize. We got to do something. They're coming after us. We got to like get strong. We need to start doing push-ups. We, I don't know. What do we need to do? They're coming after us. And he says, you just need to be still. And, and I just find it, it's difficult. It's challenging. But what I see in this passage and what I see in these first few passages, when we don't know what to do, there is a release. No man has power. I want to focus on that. We don't have power. We can't control it. We don't change the hearts of people. We can be a political advocate, activist, and we can, we can change behavior, but we can't change hearts. Hearts need change. God changes hearts, and we just need to release it over to the Lord. When I talk about releasing, I'm talking about casting all of our cares, all of our anxiety. We are to be casters of anxiety. How often we just hold anxiety. Anxiety is our, our enemy. It's not to be held on to. A fellow pastor talked about carefree Christianity as the ability, as 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him 
because he cares for you. Let me ask you a question. Where do you cast your anxiety? Where does it go? On politics? That'll fix it. Do we cast it on friends? Sometimes, but I think sometimes that causes more anxiety. Or do we cast it on the one big enough to handle? We cast it all upon the Lord. I I love Psalm 34, 4 and 5. It says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. It was a release. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. And it says, those who look to him are radiant. And as I read that passage this week, my, my mind went to 8.1, Ecclesiastes 8.1. It says, who is like the wise and who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face shine. It's like, where does that wisdom come from? That wisdom comes from being able to cast our cares upon the Lord and, and him loving us and caring for us that causes our face to shine. I don't know about you, but I, there was a lot of of just discouragement this past week. There was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of fears this past week. And I had to force myself over, if there's any force of just going, I am limited. I am limited in my ability to affect the hand of the king. I am limited in my ability to force change to happen. So where do I find rest? My rest doesn't come in change in policy. My rest doesn't come in, the, in a news article or media that's going to come and be posted and then like, oh, okay, I'm good. Our rest comes from the Lord. We have to release it to Him. We have to release it. And He cares for you in the midst of it. In your anxiety, the lie that we tend to believe is you are alone. If I think about my fears this past week, You're alone. You're alone. And I want you to hear you're not alone. You're not alone. Release it over to the Lord. This is this idea that he's talking about, this idea of the king here. Release it. Release it. The second thing is this, remain. Remain. In verse 10, he says, Then I saw, it's another reflection. He's just reflecting here. Then I saw the wicked buried. They used to go in and out of the holy place, which is interesting. These were temple worshipers. They, they were going into the temple to worship. They were going in to the holy place, but they're wicked, and they were praised in the city where they had done such things, which is it's, it's crazy. It's ironic to think that these people were praised for their wickedness, right? No, that's... Guess what? That's our culture we live in today, right? So often, the things that are praised in our culture are the things that are wicked. And it's easy for us to attach ourselves to those things because we look and we go, this is being approved and praised in our culture. This is where people are finding identity. This is where people are getting approval. And if, if my identity is not from God's word, then how easy it is for me to compromise what I believe because I go, this is what's being praised in culture, so I'm just going to jump on board with them because that way I'll be safe. A lot of times we, we think about, I, I talk about 
the idol of cultural influence. I've been guilty of this. What is the idol of cultural influence? The idol of cultural influence is, in some ways, it can, it can be viewed in a, in a holy way. For example, I look at people and I go, you know what? Like the picture that is being painted of Christianity is not one that I want to associate with. So I'm going to distance myself a little bit from that form of Christianity so that I can stand over here with the culture and, and I can hopefully influence them. Guess what? Now you just have two enemies. Don't compromise. Don't look in the sense of going, I'm going to come over here, so I'm going to be careful about what words I use. I'm going to be careful in how I phrase things because I want to have influence with the culture. That's baloney. It's baloney. And just because we see the culture praising that, he says, you need to be careful. Just because it looks like that there's no consequences for their sin, there is judgment to come. It's a warning. And that's why in this passage, it is, it is a picture of remaining. Remaining faithful in the midst. When we don't know what to do, we release our fears over to the Lord, and we remain faithful to the Lord. We remain steadfast. It says in this passage in verse 11, because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily. Sometimes we think, you know what, I can get away with going 10 miles an hour over the speed limit and, you know, no one really matters. You know, like everybody else is going, eventually catches up. And that's the, the picture that he's painting in this text is sometimes it may seem like they're getting away. Sometimes it may seem like, you know, they're, they're getting away scotch-free and there's going to be no punishment, no pain in their life. And maybe I should just adopt the same mentality. But he says in verse 12, though a sinner does evil a hundred times and it prolongs his life. And that, that kind of takes us back to verse 15 last week where we talked about in my vain life, I've seen everything. There's a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness. His life isn't prolonged. He dies. He served the Lord. He's faithful to the Lord, but he dies at an early age. We're like, that's a, that's a tragedy. And it says, and there's a wicked man who prolongs his life. And we see somebody, it's like, man, that person deserves to die. And they're living until old age. And, and this is what he says in this passage. Though a sinner does evil a hundred times and he prolongs his life, yet I know that it will be well with those who fear God because they fear before him. But it will not be well with the wicked. Neither will he prolong his days like a shadow because he does not fear before God. It's this picture of remaining. It's easy for us to think that slow justice, because God is slow to anger, that this slow justice will cause us to believe that, that sin is without consequence. And it's not true. Jesus spoke against this in Matthew 13, 47 through 50. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and it gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down, and they sorted the good into containers, but they threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus gives us this perspective of this coming judgment. It's one to be feared. But the, the thing I want to encourage you in is to, to not be swayed to remain faithful, 
to remain faithful in the midst. When we don't know what to do and we're, we're trying to put all the options on the table, remain faithful. It's easy to become so consumed and distracted and concerned with so many things. Again, I just go back to this past week and the, the thoughts and processes and everything that was going in in my head. and I just, It was just so many words, so many thoughts, and I just become consumed. And I love this picture in John 21 where Peter's coming to Jesus. And he, he, Peter's having this conversation and they're talking about the one that's going to betray Jesus. And Peter's, Peter's concerned, he's asking questions and he says, Jesus' response to him said, if, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. And I just thought that was a great reminder to me as I, as I think about there's so many things that we could wrap our minds around, being concerned about, being consumed with, so many things that can cause fears and anxiety, so many responses. When we don't know what to do, when we don't have the wisdom to figure it out, where, where do we go? And I, I feel like this text just spoke to me. It's like, hey, you got lots of questions. Just follow me. Follow me. Follow me. I'm a, I have a path for you to follow. Just follow me. So we release it over to the Lord. We remain faithful to the Lord. We remain with Him. But lastly, we rejoice. We rejoice. In verse 14, it says, There is vanity that takes place on earth. But there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And there's wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. There's good things that happen to bad people. There's bad things that happen to good people. It's just the way it is in life. He said that this is also vanity. But his recommendation here, what he recommends to us, is joy. It's joy. And, and, and I really feel like I can tell you the pattern of my life as I thought about this last week. I go, you know what, as I release things over to the Lord, as I go, all right, I, I have very little control. I have limitations in, in my ability to affect change and bring about power. But God, you are all powerful. Where it says no man has power, you have all the power in the world. And so Lord, I, I release this to you and I, I'm going to remain faithful to you. I'm just going to follow you. I'm just going to look to you. I'm, I'm going to look in your word. I'm going to be obedient to do exactly what you say. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. And what comes out of that is, is joy. And, and here's what I would, if I could just maybe give you a little more like freedom in this, have some fun. And I think a lot of times we feel guilty because we look at the brokenness of our world and you go, I can't have any fun. Here's what I would tell you. Ukrainian soldiers to get through the pain of what they're experiencing right now, they're having some fun. You may find it shocking. I saw an article from the Wall Street Journal this past week. It's Ukrainian shoulders, the soldiers, they're, they're, they're blocking this barricade, and they're sitting down, and they're playing checkers. Two soldiers sitting across from each other. They're playing checkers with Molotov cocktails, Okay? So they've made these, and, and they're standing there, and they're blocking this barricade, and I, it was a picture of levity. It was a picture of going, like, even in the most troublesome times, we got to find a way to, to embrace, what, like, what is good in this world. 
And I, I love this picture of what he commends in the midst of where we can't affect change. We can't bring about things in the king. There's going to be a proper time. We see injustices happening in the world. We see wickedness being praised in the streets. We're going, man, it's so messed up. And it can put any of us in the gutter. It can put any of us in a, in a place of lack of mental health. And we think about the last few years. And there's just a sense of going, it's just enjoy, rejoice. What if I just told you, like, one of the ways you can obey the Lord today is to have some fun. To do something. And I'm not talking about indulging into wickedness or indulging in sinfulness. But do something that causes your face to smile and laugh. Have fun. Some of you are looking at me and you're like, really? Let me give you this. Zechariah 8.5. It's a picture of the restoration of a restored life. This is a picture of, of, of what redemption looks like. What does it say? And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets. That's a picture of full restoration. This was a prophecy. Boys and girls playing in the streets. Now, some of us, we've grown too old and we're like, playing in the streets, really? Yeah, we need to go play in the streets. Okay, so I'm giving you a, a, a task. you got to play in the street this afternoon. There's a sense of going, we're not waiting for the ultimate fulfillment of this. What's true in this time is true today. We have a king on a throne. And if this is true, then why is it that we can't come to a place of, of actually getting out in the streets and playing and having fun and rejoicing and enjoying the goodness and graciousness of our God the Father? We have, we have so much to celebrate. But I think it gets stuck early on. Because we never release it over to the Lord. We, we, we get lost somewhere along the way because we realize that we haven't remained faithful. And so we, we're, we're in battle with guilt and shame. There's just heaps of it. And, and so there's this sense of going, I, I just can't get there. I just can't get to this place of joy. Maybe you look around and you go, you know what? I, I just have so much to do. Can I give you a word of advice? You're going to die with a pile of in unfinished work. There will, be, there will be a pile of unfinished work when you die to be able to walk away. Guess what? Jesus, the most capable, powerful human who ever walked the earth, full of the Spirit, he was able to dine. He had the most important mission Ever. He was the most capable human to be able to walk and see and see people healed. And I'm just going like, if, if, if I could heal, and I believe we have the power to heal, but I'm going, if I if I've experienced it in the way that I see in the gospels and Jesus experiencing that and walk, I'm going, I don't know that I'd be able to like go home and sleep at night. I would just feel like there's so much to do. Right? Like, I can take a few pieces of bread and fish and multiply it and feed the world. You would think, like, we, we got work to do. But yet, he was able to, to step away, get alone, rest, dine, enjoy friendship. He had relationship within the disciples, but he had 
three and one. I mean, he had, he had friends. There was a sense of, of going like, we, we need that experience. In our world today, we need this. We need this. Not to be excessive, not to indulge, but to rejoice in the great godly things that the Lord has made. So I want to ask you some questions. We're going to have a time of prayer. I'm going to bring up the the worship team. They're going to play underneath us. When you apply your heart to know wisdom, where does it lead you? When you apply your heart to figure out life, where does it lead you? When you try to figure out what to do and you don't know what to do, when life isn't making sense and you're just you're trying to strategize, you're trying to figure out enough knowledge, enough wisdom to get you through. I I not to dumb it down to three easy steps, but I think these three easy steps are really practical and really helpful. And if I can just say, like, as some as a testimony, it freed me this week. It freed me. Not to, to get so much in my head. And just whatever it was, like whatever just I was bombarded with just to be able to go, Lord, this is yours. No man has power. I don't have power. You have power. I just release it to you. I, I release that care to you. I'm not called to hang on to these. I'm not called to, to hold on to these anxieties. Anxiety is an enemy. I'm not supposed to hold on to it. I give it. I give it. You asked me to give it to you. I give it to you. I release it to you. And Lord, I, I want to remain with you. Help me to be faithful. Help me just, when I don't know what to do, just open God's word and just follow him. Remain faithful. Remain. And then rejoice. Sometimes just to get away and go, how do I, how do I step in and just have some fun and rejoice in God? I want to ask you this morning. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to come forward and, and be prayed over, um, but I, I do want to pray for you at your seat. I'm going to invite Chris up. Chris, uh, we're going to pray for you this morning. And I'd ask, first of all, who is it that's here this morning? That would be honest, and, and just by simply raising your hand, you go, I have some things I just need to release over to the Lord this morning. Go ahead, raise your hand. You say, I just, I just want to release this over to the Lord. Awesome. That's a lot of us. I, I want us to, in this next few moments, Chris is going to pray, just a prayer of release, that we would trust the Lord with these things. Where we look at this passage and we say, and we're, we're caught in this, this mentality of going, no man has power, that we would see God as all-powerful and that we would trust him with that. Would you pray for that? Um. Father God, we all have things that we need to release, whether we admit it or not. Life does that to us. And so today, Lord, we come before you with our backpack of burdens, the things that we carry around that get heavier by the day. And Father, We put them before your son's cross. He carried 
all of our burdens there before. And then he died. But he didn't stay dead, Lord. He rose again. And we can and will rise again with him when we daily give our burdens over to you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have made such an all-encompassing way for us to let go and let you do what you have done and continue to do and will do every time we ask. So, Lord, right here, right now, we dump all of our burdens at the foot of the cross, and we will walk away from them in Jesus' risen glory. Amen. The second prayer this morning is a prayer to remain, to remain faithful. So many distracting ways, there's, there's so many compromising ways. We look at what is praised in culture, and it's easy to attach ourselves that, to that. And maybe just the, the picture of Jesus to Peter, where it's like, it's easy to be distracted with so many things. Just follow me. Who would say this morning just to remain steadfast and to remain faithful to the Lord? You would just say, hey, would you pray for me? I just want to remain faithful. I want to remain this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's pray for you. Lord, Justin just said it. You follow me, Jesus said. You, you, everyone in this room, everyone who says He's a Christ follower. Everyone who says, Jesus, I want to follow you. Help us, Lord, to remain with your face in our sight. Help us to see you, to abide in you, to know you more and more every day. Thank you, Lord, that we can give up judgment, that we don't have to worry about things being made right. You will do that. You are doing that. Help us to remain in the fear of the Lord and to remain with you and in you and for you. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to remain. Amen. Amen. The Bible says God has given us good things, uh, and these good things cause our heart to be made glad. Um, I want my heart to rejoice. I want to experience the joy of the Lord. When I think of this word joy that he commends, it's, it's the word festivity, like a festival. And... I want us to experience that in the midst of pain, in the midst of our world. Uh, it's, it's easy to be discouraged, but God has given us rejoicing. God has given us the ability to enjoy. And 
I just pray that this morning our, our, our hope would be that we would be like those boys and girls to be able to play in the street, that we would have that childlike faith that trusts our Father, that we wouldn't be so consumed with so many things that we would be able to just think about my kids. They have no worries in the world. Why? Because we're providing for them. And that's how we, as God the Father cares for us and provides for us, we get to release those burdens and, and He cares for us. And we get to dance and play in the streets. Who would say today, just say, hey, I, I want to experience joy. I want to have some fun. All right? If your hand's not raised, all right, we're, we're going to hang out and I'm going to make sure we have fun. All right? And we all need this. We all need this. You don't have to feel guilty about it. You're like, well, there's people facing, you know. Look, they need it too. And we pray for it for them as well. That they're able to step away from the pain and war and devastation. That they're able to experience the joy that the Lord comes to bring in the midst of very troublesome times. Let's pray. Papa, I have a favorite female prophet who says, eat cake. <laughs> Papa says, eat cake. Yes, let's rejoice because you are on the throne. And we know that our time of rejoicing is not just in our future. Mm -hmm. It's in our here and now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that we have Holy Spirit to tickle our funny bone and remind us that it is time now to rejoice. Mm -hmm. Let us lift our voices in hallelujahs. Let us make a loud shout to the Lord because he is wonderful and he's on the throne. And regardless of what today looks like, he is our joy and our salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we get to rejoice, not in our future, but in the here and now. Let's bring heaven to earth and rejoice with our Lord, who is our salvation. Amen. 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 Thank you, Chris.